I always thought my goal was to be self-employed. There was this thing we, you could learn about how to create an online course. And I had a friend who was doing it and it, she seemed successful. I'm like, oh, it must not be that hard. I'll go that route. And I think that's pretty much where I just completely outsourced my confidence and my own belief in myself to something completely external. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for me. Hello, and welcome to Talks with Sarah No Socks, a podcast about failure and how it's leading us to success. Each week, I sit down on Mondays and share my weekly failures with you, and I'm joined on Fridays with a special guest who's sharing their own story of failure and how that's led to their current success. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Talks with Sarah No Socks. This week, I'm sitting down with Casey, and I'm so excited to sit down and chat with her. Casey uh, is running her day job as a manager at Mission Edge, but she's here to share a bit about her story of how she fell into the trap of trying to build a side hustle and what that was like. And I'm really excited to chat with her about that story and everything that it kind of taught her along the way because as I've mentioned many times before there is always more than one path and everybody's story looks different so I'm thrilled to welcome her to the show and can't wait to chat with her thanks for joining me today Casey thanks Sarah yeah happy to be here happy to say it out loud it's only just been bouncing between my ears for the last couple of months so it'll be good to get it out yeah so are you I mean such a brief intro but why don't you tell folks in your own words who you are and kind of like what your story has been up until this point sure yeah so uh, my name is Casey Brunel and I've been in San Diego now for about three years and two and a half of those I've worked at Mission Edge which is a local social enterprise in Liberty Station and I say I have the most fun job in the world because I get to hang out with a bunch of altruistic, ambitious founders who genuinely want to leave a positive impact on the world. And it's a lot of fun, especially for an extrovert like me, when I get all my energy from other people, or most of it at least. So that's fun. But I think that there's this um, other side of me that beyond just having fun, like I love to achieve, I love to try new things, I love to create, and I love to show people what matters to me at least and see if it gets them as jazzed as it has me. And I think those traits are kind of what led me to this shiny object of side hustle life. Casey's being very modest. She is just a fantastic human being. And as an introvert, meeting her when I first moved to San Diego as an extrovert was fantastic because she quite literally is a connector of people and will help introduce you to people that she knows you might jive with or that you can benefit from in all sorts of ways, professionally, personally. Um, So she's such kind of a light in the San Diego community. And watching what happened over there, well, I forget what months it was, but it was during the pandemic, right? Watching kind of what happened was very um, interesting because it started off okay. So why don't you tell us what happened? I'm the type of person that just comes out with both guns blazing and is just like, I love to sprint. You'll never catch me in a marathon. You'll never catch me in uh, a 90-minute sport. Like I'm like, go hard, go fast, and be done. And that has been my style and approach to everything. But I think – as I'm about to exit my 20s in a month, 
I have realized that that approach to life is just no longer sustainable. And in terms of the side hustle, so to give people some background, when the pandemic hit in March of 2020, I kind of had this moment of like, oh shit, I'm about to lose everything that ever mattered to me, which was a super full social calendar and um, constant interaction at work. So I was like, I remember joking with my coworkers. I'm like, I don't know what this thing is, guys. Like, I know COVID is like, whatever, you know, before we even really knew what we were talking about. But I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to work by myself at home. And they're all kind of laughed like, yeah, you're probably right. You probably won't be able to do that. And I think for the first week and a half, I had this moment of like, that's it. Like, I'm done. I'm going to be fired. Like, I was supposed to be doing event marketing at the beginning of the year and was supposed to fill up the calendar and bring people to the impact lab where I work to find these social entrepreneurs and help them. So when all that came crashing down, I was like, they don't need me anymore. Okay, I'm gonna, like everyone else did, turn to the internet and see like, what, what's what's up? What are people working on? How are people using this time? And, you know, I don't even think it was as intentional as that. But I think that I just kind of fell into the doom scroll and saw that so many people were like, now's the time like you've been wishing for this time, like you can do it. And I like, dabbled in this concept of freelancing. And I just, I had a friend at the time who was taking her yoga business online. And actually she was a friend of a friend. So I told my, our mutual contact, I said, Hey, you know, I do this for a living. Like I help people figure out how to earn revenue in their business. Let me just work with her because I want to help her and times are tough and I've got time and let's see where it, where it takes us. And I really enjoyed doing that work. And so I started playing around with my website thinking, you know, hey, I just really want to see if somebody else needs this help. Why the heck not? And so I started dabbling in that and was doing things mostly for free here and there whenever I could fit it in. And um, around the same time, by the time we got into late spring, summer, I had started creating my own content about other more personal revelations that could be applied also to work. And most of that was related to like liberation. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really was based on the book untamed. If anyone's familiar with that 2020 bestseller, I'm pretty sure it's still on the bestsellers list, but that book caught me at the right time of quarantine and completely opened my world. And from there I was like, wow, like Glennon Doyle is really onto something. This really speaks to me. And I just found so many things, so many nuggets of wisdom that I could apply to my personal life and work life and thought, why don't we make something of this? So I, I developed some content around that and started, um, just sharing it. You know, I was sharing it on my Instagram. I created a workshop and did it for free right before my 29th birthday last June and just felt so alive. And after feeling so alive, I thought like, okay, you know, I still love my day job. And I know that there's this scuttle going on around like, quit your nine to five, quit your nine to five. And I always thought that was my goal. I always thought my goal was to be self-employed. And so later at the end, towards the end of the summer, I saw that there was this thing you could learn about how to create an online course. And I had a friend who was doing it and she seemed successful. I'm like, oh, it must not be that hard. I'll go that route. And I think that's pretty much where I just completely outsourced my confidence and my own belief in myself to something completely external. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for me. 
Yeah. It it was such a fascinating journey. I too, Untamed was such a good book and you're the one who turned me on to it. And yeah, the things that you were sharing and how open and vulnerable you were being and the introspection that you had had as a result of reading that book and bringing these people together and forming a community, you know, within, started on Instagram, but you had some, you know, live events and things uh, was great and really wonderful and just really inspiring. And I know you and I had talked separately and, you know, just kind of watching all of these things transpire over the pandemic. And then, yeah, so you decided from there you wanted to monetize and you'd only been doing it for about three months, three or four months. That's less than that. Gosh, I don't know. And isn't that the question that has us all enslaved? And that I'm so glad that you're pushing me to share this, Sarah, because it didn't, it wasn't until after the fact that I realized that on my journey to like liberation and just determining and defining what untamed meant for me, I became the most enslaved I've ever been. I, I became completely indoctrinated by the shoulds. You should quit your nine to five. You should monetize what lights you up. You should figure out how to commodify your wisdom and you should do it as a feminist and you should do it burning down the patriarchy and you should do it while you're working your job because if you quit too early, you won't be able to support yourself and then you'll burn out even faster. And it was just this perfect storm of everything that I thought I was overcoming slapped me right back in the face. And I, I was so deep in it and so committed and so in that old way of doing things that is just go hard, go fast and don't stop until you're done mentality that when I finally got to the launch date, by the way, I should mention that the whole content of what I ended up landing on to monetize um, was how to, was it really helping women ask for raises, which is now the very thing that I'm unsure about. And I criticize when I see other women doing this is like, why should I make money off of other women's insecurities? That's what I was running away from. I'm sure there's a fine line and I haven't totally formed my opinion on that. So I'm not prepared to speak about it intelligently, but I'm skeptical of that. And when I look back on what I was doing, it, I didn't realize the way that I was doing things was a little bit out of alignment for me, but Mm -hmm. I was determined to follow a process and to get across a finish line at any cost. And that blew up in my face as one would have guessed. (laughs) I think what you touched on right there at the end is that it wasn't in alignment. And that I think is the important thing to note. And I think when that clicked for you, the fact that it wasn't that you didn't make money at doing it, that wasn't such an issue. It was the fact that what you were doing and what you were trying to make money from wasn't in alignment with who you were. And that was the disconnect that I saw. And that, that kind of light switch moment for you, it was like, Oh shit, this is not, this is not what I want to do. And by then, like I was five months into it and I, my coping mechanism was just to completely abandon. And you know, when I fail, I feel so publicly because I'm such an oversharer. Maybe that's a judgmental term. I, I enjoy sharing what lights me up and I don't think about what could go wrong before I share it. And then when things do go wrong, 
at least this time, I was just so embarrassed and so mortified and so defeated that um, I think it took me a couple weeks. But within the month of February, like my launch date, I want to say was like around February 4th or something. It was pure crickets, didn't make a single sale, hadn't even finished recording all the content and got through the first week of my cart being open again, following this process of one of the major online course creators in the internet world. And was just like, no, you know, this isn't working. And within a couple of weeks, I'm like, that's it. I, I can't be on the internet anymore. I can't. My feed was so full of internet marketers and coaches and freelancers and everyone just spewing 24 seven, zero to six figures, quit your nine to five, um, you know, increase your sales, like all of this just masculine energy and people telling you what to do instead of sharing their own story of how they did something and encouraging you to find your own way. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't even realize that that was happening at the time. But now, you know, I've been off Instagram since I would say maybe like the end of February. And now I can, you know, put that into context and realize what was going on. But I was too just inundated by it all mm-hmm. to even know which way was up at the time. But that that sense of failure just, it was such a tough pill to swallow. I'm clearly still not over it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, it was, and I, I really appreciate you sharing it so openly here. Cause I think it's, it's something so many people go through and are shamed. Like society has shamed us into thinking that these situations are something that we should shy away from and, and not share publicly and not talk about. And it's just not true because it's, it happens to us all sometimes on a much grander scale, you know, maybe it was a startup that (laughs) went went completely belly up, you know? Um, and I think you are still so fresh in it and still processing everything. And I know you talked about journaling and, and writing everything down, which is so valuable because our brain is so good at forgetting things very quickly. So I think that is going to be so beneficial to you as you continue to move through it. There's so much that you've learned about yourself, even in just these first few months from kind of taking that break. And I find it really, really amazing that you were able to completely get offline and to say no to social media because a lot of people double down on themselves and dig themselves into that shame hole and just are like, okay, well, I'm going to push harder. I'm going to buy another course. I'm going to do another thing instead of taking the huge step back and say, no, this, this is not what I want to continue to do. So why did you decide that social media was really the the cause of it? I mean, I don't, I think a lot of it was self-inflicted and that, that fire was kind of soaked by social media. But I also recognize that like, I'm at an advantage in my life where, you know, my, my livelihood doesn't depend on my activity on the internet. You know, I, I have a job, I have an analog job that I can do without, I mean, yeah, obviously we use the internet, but it doesn't depend on my followers. It doesn't depend on my activity. So that was super helpful and was easier to just make the call. But I think if anything, like COVID has, COVID has made it abundantly clear that none of us can escape our own mortality. And I just woke up thinking like, I just lost the past five months of my life 
nights, weekends, stress, waking up early, going to bed late. And like, that wasn't even crazy because I'm a person that has decent boundaries. Like I wasn't working like 80 hour weeks or anything, but I definitely would, you know, put my workouts on the back burner or put time with my husband on the back burner or even say like, Hey, I can't meet with, I mean, not that I was having a ton of social engagements. We were still in the pandemic, but would say like, Oh, I can't meet with friends this night, whatever, because I need to work on this. And just hated who I was becoming, like super high stress, super high anxiety. Never in my life have I ever identified as like a person with anxiety until the pandemic, which I don't know if that's a good thing or if I'm just totally aloof to that side of myself or was before. I don't know. But um, so I guess that's new to me as well. But um, it was easy to make the call. And actually, it was so weird because um, I was out one night with a friend I had just gotten my hair cut and was starting to feel good again. And like we had, we were meeting up with some guys that she was friends with. And like I had a very like mentally stimulating conversation with one of the guys. And I could remember being like, wow, this is so exciting. Like I haven't felt this just like excited and mentally stimulated in so long because I haven't <laughs> been around people. And um, I think the next day he followed me on Instagram and within five minutes, I was like, I'm out. And it was such a weird reaction because he was like a perfectly nice person that I had just met that night. And we were just out um, enjoying one of the patios. And I was like, no, like this profile is not representative of who I am. And this is not the image that I want to project onto the world. None of this is true. It's all an illusion. I'm out. Mm-hmm. And that made me pull the trigger. And I'll never know if I made that guy feel like shit, like he was, who caused me <laughs> to delete my profile, but that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Oh, that's so, that. so introspective. I'm sure he's fine with it. <laughs> you can ask her next time you see him. Dude, sorry, it wasn't personal. Um, it, yeah, I mean, such good introspection there, right? Again, I think so many people, it's really hard. It's hard to take that personal look in and stop and wonder, why does this not feel right? And that was your initial reaction, like to recognize that it didn't feel right to you. And so it wasn't right. It didn't matter what all of the, the outside forces were telling you. And that is just either something you're born with or something you learn. I too fell victim to the Instagram game. And I spent a good six months on Instagram pushing out content every day and like trying to do all the things and fell into the same trap of I'm being sold packages, but not any of the why. And why am I not making the six figures that everybody tells me is going to happen overnight? And it's really great marketing. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people forget and you can easily get caught in (laughs) the spiral of, you know, great marketing and selling people what they want to hear and not actual steps. Um, Yeah. But, and it's like, even then though, once I found out the actual steps, Sarah, I'll be honest with you. Like it wasn't my process, you know, mm -hmm. like I was following somebody else's path. It wasn't mine. So now I have a little bit of distance from it and can actually say that like, I I'm not on this earth to teach women how to negotiate pay. Do I enjoy talking about that? Absolutely. Would I take a phone call from anyone to help them? Of course I would. Of course I would. I would do that in a heartbeat. I'm happy to do that. Do I want my entire existence to revolve around that to the point where I am planning my day around internet activity? Hell no. Hell no. And if that means that I have to sacrifice my 
like fictitious six figure salary that I probably <laughs> was not really on track to make in the first place. And yeah, I'm willing to make that trade off because I think ultimately I realized that like, I'm here to be free, you know, like I could die tomorrow. And if you ask me, are you happy with the way that you spent your last hours today? I need to be able to say yes to that question. Mm-hmm. I could not say yes when I was working on what I was working on because it was so out of alignment. But here's what's so fucked up about it is that I had tricked myself into believing that it was a worthy cause because it was so aligned with feminism. Mm-hmm. That is a huge part of who I am and how I live my life. And this is what is so uncomfortable for me about the internet, especially for millennial women and women trying to integrate the internet into their lives. I don't know if anybody else has had this experience, but I feel like feminism has been commodified and you can trick yourself into believing that something that you're doing or a message you're perpetuating is a feminist message When in fact, there is nothing feminist about being indoctrinated by what the masses are doing. There is nothing feminist about outsourcing your choices to other people. There is nothing feminist to you punishing yourself to achieve something or cross a finish line that you never set for yourself to begin with. It was something else that somebody or some societal expectation inflicted on you. So for me to have been so blind to that was just, it was the ultimate wake up call and I'll never go back to that ever. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just such a powerful lesson right there. If it, if the whole experience leads you to nothing else, that in and of itself, people go for years, they die without knowing that introspection and without understanding that about themselves. So it may be a failure for you, but I think it's a huge life win so early on and is going to set you up for so much future success with yourself, sharing this story with other people. I, I just, yeah, I really see it as a huge win and I know it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit now. If you would have told me this the second week of February, I would have been like crying on the ground being like, I don't know what you're talking about. But again, I have some more distance now, but I think, you know, it's been really healthy for me to be off the internet. And I just, I kind of have made a promise to myself that like, I'm not going to spend time with anyone or doing anything that does not make me feel totally free. And I think online courses are fantastic. I think it's a great way to learn. I've benefited from some, the content for my, um, the, the content for, you know, learning how to ask for a raise, I think was beneficial. That wasn't a complete failure because some people were able to use my free download and I would get emails saying like, oh my God, I followed your method and I, I got the raise. And like that to me, I'm like, that is success. Like you can't put a price on that. But then I'm like, then why am I saying that I have to reach this many sales by this date? If I'm already helping the person I want to help for free, can't that be enough? But I went into it with somebody else's definition of enough. And once I woke up to that, Sarah, I asked myself the question, in how many other aspects of my life am I letting other people define enough? Yeah. And that is not something that I could explore in the public eye. (laughs) I say that. I think I have like 1,200 followers. But it's not something that I wanted to 
share or do publicly because I didn't have the answer. I didn't know what it would be like. And I didn't think I could. Mm-hmm. How can I figure that out if hours of my day would go to everybody else telling me before I can even give my own self a chance to speak up? Yeah. Yeah. It, there's a huge, huge push to be online, to do all the things, to, you know, be successful in multiple different ways, to monetize your passion, to do all of these things. And I'm trying to push rest and introspection and doing exactly what you said. What makes you happy? Who gives a shit? If you don't want to make six figures, you don't need to make six figures. I mean, as long as your living expenses are covered and you're fulfilled, that's what's really important. Nobody goes to their deathbed with like, oh man, I wish I had a thousand and one followers more or what, you know, like it's just not. <laughs> a lot of arbitrary made up like finish lines, you know, it's, they're made up units of measurement that, um, like I said, I think I asked myself the question, how many other aspects of my life am I operating with somebody else's measuring stick, somebody else's finish line, somebody's all, somebody else's definition of enough. And that's when I said, like, never again, I'm not, I'm not going to live this way. And I, you know, I so respect women who can stay in it and try again. I definitely sometimes wonder, like, if I just quit, you know, did I not give myself a chance to maybe get it right? But I don't think that that was the end of it for me. I think that I'm still going to keep creating when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I think it'll come to fruition in a different, in a different way. But for the women who are figuring out how the internet can support them and their business and who they reach and whatever message they're trying to perpetuate. I say, good on you, go for it. And if you can figure out a way to shield all the other BS that comes along with it, like it's just a daily act of resistance. And Mm -hmm. I got, I got to the point where I I reached my tipping point and couldn't do it anymore. So I'm on a hiatus and it feels pretty good. Yeah. I, I love it. I've been off of Instagram for quite some time. I pop on every now and then. There's a couple of accounts that I like for good uh, humor relief, not for anything, yeah. anything other than that. Um, if you live in San Diego and you follow San Diego humor, you know what I mean. It's always a good account <laughs> to give you a yeah. good laugh. Um, yeah, definitely. And I do, I, I'm very acutely aware of my time on Twitter and how I'm using that and what my messaging is. And I really tailored what that messaging is for me. So very cautious about who I follow and what shows up um, because it does influence you whether you want it to or not. It absolutely does. My question to you would be, since your off social media and community has always been such a huge part for you and you build this amazing community, you know, on Instagram, but then through live events, what have you done since to kind of reconnect with the community? Honestly, it's been hard and I, I definitely miss sharing these discoveries and having women saying like, yeah, me too, or show me how, because that is just like one of the fundamental sources of where I get my energy. So that part has definitely been lacking for me. Um, I haven't really been able to scratch that itch in ways that I used to. However, you know, just like the moon, we wax, we wane. And I think that I just needed this time to kind of figure things out and again, learn how to define that word enough or learn how to create my own measuring stick for myself. And I don't know that I've really landed on anything, but this 
this has not been a time where I could be the light and the lead for other people. Mm-hmm. I really just needed to be it for myself. I don't think I'm done yet. I think now I'm starting to open up to the concept of maybe meeting with a friend here or there. But even then, I'm very reluctant to say yes to too much because I just I don't feel ready. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I there will come a day where I'm like, OK, I'm ready to rally the troop again and I'm ready to organize the meetups and share where the heck I've been for however long it will be. But I have just, I've really been looking inward and um, I found a lot of support in books. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of been my community. It's so crazy to think that you can have like a relationship with an author, but I think I, in the time of the pandemic, I've reread Untamed two or three times and I've reread Women Who Run With Wolves three times. And I'm just like, you know, those are my people that that's, those are like my guideposts. And I have a few friends here or there that I talk to. I talk to my mom. I have my therapist. So I I have some people in my corner for sure, Mm -hmm. but it definitely has not been a season of me being the lead like I used to. Yeah. Another great realization and introspection. I think it's important to really touch upon the fact that people have an entire life outside of what you see on social media. And as much as most everybody is smiling and life is happy, there are so many other things happening behind the scenes and really important to talk about the people that you consider your strong friends. And a lot of people will consider me a strong friend as well. It's like, okay, yeah, I mean, but we all need people too. Um, so I think it's really great. And I'm really, really happy for you that you took this time and you're still taking the time and you're not rushing and you're doing things according to your own timeline. It just, you're just such a strong person, Casey, you really are, because it's so easy to get caught up in feeling that pressure, even though you aren't online, you know, to have that like underlying pull to have people reach out and say, and you to be like, nope, I'm sorry. I I can't, you know, good boundaries. (laughs) I know. And it's, it's hard because I think that we've been indoctrinated to believe that we need to just be of service anytime, any chance we get. And that saying no is selfish, but I mean, obviously the whole manifesto of untamed and even women who run with wolves is you don't have to be a martyr. You don't have to outsource who you are to the perceptions of other people, you know, and that, that I think makes failure really hard because you think like, oh, you know, I used to be defined as this like happy-go-lucky, extroverted, bubbly, like ringleader. <laughs> and now I'm now I'm this person who quit the internet because she failed so hard and couldn't pick herself up. But all of that's an illusion. Mm-hmm. You know, neither is fully true. There are things that happen, but they don't define who I am. I define who I am. And I think that, you know, if there's anything that anybody could take away, especially any of your listeners who identify as women, it's every day is like a constant act of rebellion. I don't, I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but I just have felt like I have been so inundated by what I should do, how I should look, how I should spend my time that I have to actively stay awake to that and actively say, no, I'm going to do it my way instead. And it's taken me a time to figure out like, what is my way? You know, I'm still uncovering that and that changes with the seasons, but that's when I feel most alive and most aligned with myself. And I'm never going to outsource that to anybody else ever again, because they don't live my life. I live my life. Yeah. So if it takes to do that, then that's time well spent. 
Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I struggle with that every day. It is a constant daily struggle of how do I make this work on my terms? And yes, I have definitely fallen victim one too many times. And I, maybe victim isn't the right word, but it does feel that way that you've fallen into the trap, into the societal expectations of this is how you launch a product. This is how you create a course. This is how you become an entrepreneur. This is the, how you become a YouTube star. Instead of just taking a step back and saying, how do you want to do that? And it's really difficult when so many people are quote unquote overnight success because they haven't shared the 10 years that they've been working at things behind the scenes or the one celebrity friend that they have that shouted them out. And so that's catapulted their, you know, fame. Um, There's just so many different ins and outs. And I think really paying attention to what makes you happy. And if you actually want to do the thing that you're working at is beyond important. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the whole central idea to untame too, is like how much of your life was your own idea? None of these people who are perceived overnight successes are tasked with living your life. You are tasked with living your life. And that's why I was like, let's just shut off the noise here. You know, none of this is bringing value. It's just making me more stressed out. I don't like to compare myself. I don't feel good when I do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care. It doesn't really affect me if someone is more successful and makes more money is perceived to be more beautiful, happier, whatever, you know, insert X thing that we're all supposed to be striving for. I'm like, none of that has anything to do with my life. So why would I spend time on it? You know, my time is so precious and I don't want to waste another minute thinking that I should be doing something else. And it's staying awake to that as a constant act of rebellion. But you know, that's, that's why we're here. Like if we can, if we can, experience this human experience and somehow some way at some point in our life remember who we were before the world taught us who to be like that to me is human life right there like that's i can't i can't think of any other reason why we were put here if not to overcome that and have something to show for it at the end i don't know what that looks like for me yet but i know that the act of remembering is time well spent yeah totally agree What advice would you have somebody who maybe is where you were in February and feeling very defeated, like things aren't going right? What maybe is an action step that they could take? Get rid of all your screens. Get rid of all of them. Um, You know, I just like, you're not going to find any answers in a screen. You're not going to find any guidance in your TV, in your phone, in your laptop, like you, everything that you need is already inside you. And if you don't spend time trying to explore that, you're kidding yourself. If you're going to think, if you think that you're going to find that externally. And I think people are really afraid to go there. I think that the easy thing is to just numb, doom scroll, not worry about it. Um, say maybe, you know, that's a future Casey problem. I'll, I'll think about that tomorrow. Like it's more comfortable to just lay here. And I've never been one to do that. You know, like I'm, I'm a fixer. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to numb. Like, I'm not gonna silence myself. I want to know, like, what do I have to say about this? How am I feeling? And some parts of that have been really shitty. I I hate feeling like shit. I don't, sometimes I don't want to go there, but if the alternative is to just live on this numb autopilot, I'm 
more afraid of that than I am afraid of just experiencing, you know, some of my darker, more negative emotions. So get rid of your screens. Yeah. I think that's the advice I would give people to get a journal, go to wherever you feel most comfortable outside and sit. (laughs) Yeah. And just just give yourself some space to explore it. You know, it's like people, I don't know why we're just like, it's just been such a problem for women, even before the internet of like looking to other people to tell them how they feel Mm -hmm. or looking to other people to tell them what success would look like or how to spend their life. Like why would anybody else know that? Right. So if you like learn how to ask yourself those questions and learn how you arrive to your own answers, because you're going to need that skill set well into our old age, I would imagine. I mean, I'm not even trying to claim that I like have figured it out early in life, but I know that I know way more about myself now than I did six to eight months ago. And like, that's something that I use every day and I did not find it in any screen. Yeah. Super important. Talk to me a little bit about that, how this experience has helped you find a bit more about yourself and what that impact has had on, you know, your day job and your personal relationships. Oh gosh. Oh man, so many ways, you know, I think that I've learned that I'm here to be free. Um, and that's been reinforced in just so many patterns of my life of just, um, I definitely rebel when I'm tried when, and when I feel like I'm being put into a box and I think that this very process oriented, if you do steps one through seven, you will have a successful online course. And then I followed it and it didn't work. I'm like, yeah, I was never meant to follow a one through step process. It's, mm-hmm. it's never been my approach to life. So why would I start now? But you know, you just think like, oh, if it worked, then it worked. So why would I? Yeah, no. Um, I have a very rebellious streak to me too. So I definitely learned that, that anytime you tell me to do something, I immediately don't want to do it. (laughs) It has to be my own idea. So that's been a fun thing to play around with. Um, But in terms of just like taking this newfound sense of ownership over my own need for freedom and really celebrating that instead of feeling like I was like weird or unruly or, you know, just unable to confine or contort or sit still. Like, I feel like I, you know, this process of failing at the online course was just the final thing to wake me up to this pattern in my life that any other time as a child, when anybody would say, you know, you're to this, or you need to do that this way, or it has to be done by this date in this way. And all of these rules. I'm like, I hate Excel all of these things that have just like shown me like, yeah, don't fit me in a box. Don't tell me to do it a certain way. Like I'll, I'll figure out what I want and I'll do it the way I want to do it. Um, now I bring that into all of my relationships. I bring that into work because especially as a consultant, the work I do at Mission Edge, I work with a lot of other women founders. I am very attuned to seeing other women put themselves in these boxes and these arbitrary processes. So I'll say, wait a second. Are you sure you want to do it that way? Or how did you arrive at that? Did a friend do it? Did they tell you it would work? And I'm asking all these probing questions to figure out, was that your idea? Or was that something that someone told you should be your idea? So that's been really great because I think I've been able to connect with clients on a much more personal level, which was totally unexpected. And sometimes things will come out of my mouth and I'm like, who said that? Like, oh, I guess it was me. Okay, that was kind (laughs) of cool. 
Um, so that feels really good, especially because entrepreneurship can be so like masculine energy dominant. And I've been guilty of that too. The masculine really wants to come out of like, we're going to do it this way and lead and charge and go. But, um, the feminine energy of really like asking and receiving and going slower and feeling into it and designing processes that were meant for us, not making us fit into some arbitrary process Mm -hmm. has been so great. Cause again, it feels so rebellious and that, that, rebellion and that resistance feels very innate to who I am. And then in terms of my relationship, I think I've just been very upfront with my husband and my friends about how I spend my time and with whom I'm willing to spend my time. And if I, I'm, it doesn't take me long to figure out if someone is offering value or if someone is like an energy vampire. And if that's the case, I just flat out, I'm like, I did that. I tried it. I didn't like it. I'm not doing it again. And I'm not going to waste another minute on it because like I said, if I was going to die tomorrow and you said, Casey, are you happy with how you spent your last hours? The answer has to be yes. No. My therapist would say, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. (laughs) I would say, like the short. Yeah. I think that's super important. And I love that you've touched on therapy a couple of times. I, I recommend people ask me about my journey all the time and I'm like, yeah, you need community, a therapist and like a really substantial runway. (laughs) <laughs> these are the things you need. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure the mental health impact has been pretty significant through this. You know, it's so crazy because I never like I'm a classic 90s kid, like didn't grow up with therapy, like grew up with like an all sugar, all packaged food diet and just, you know, was like drinking surge and like high sea orange lava burst and like all the red dye 40 and just was never even attuned to like how I felt physically as it related to my diet and my exercise and didn't even know how to really ask for help. Cause I was just being a nineties kid out in the street until the lights came on and then we'd go home. Right. <laughs> so this concept of like, Oh, you know, are you aware of like your own mental health? It's so funny because like, I never, I never identified. I don't even think I had the vocabulary to describe like what is anxiety. I didn't even like. It's so crazy to think that this is all like even less than a year ago that I didn't even know what any of this was. And again, I'm like, is that like a good thing or have I just been totally aloof to like my own <laughs> like inner darkness? It's probably a mixture of both. But um, yeah, it wasn't until recently, and that therapy has been such a great like learning opportunity for me too to just even learn a vocabulary to describe what's going on within me, and to kind of have things reflected back to me in a way that I can understand logically, which is usually like my comfort zone. But then, like actually get me to feel it, which I'm usually really hesitant about, um, has been a good challenge for me because it's not something that I would do on my own. I just yeah. choose to feel good all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that part has definitely been super weird, but happy to like have that new experience and have a new vocabulary and also like have the agency to say like, okay, yeah, I'm a person who experiences some anxiety sometimes, but I don't have to say like, I am an anxious person or I I don't have to like wear that as like a badge of honor or like a badge of, um, I guess like a a negative sense, you know, sometimes I feel like I haven't been on Instagram lately, but I felt like people have really leaned into this like persona of anxiety and almost like wear it as a badge of honor. And I'm kind of like, well, I don't really want to do that either. Like, I just want to feel whole and I just want to feel like I belong to myself. And if I have ownership over whatever anxiety I experience, 
and it does not have ownership over me, then at least that's something that I can work with, right? Anytime I start to feel like something is owning me and dictating the way I think, the way I perceive myself, the way I spend my time, that's when I'm like, nope, not going to do it. Not going there. Yeah. So much. Casey, you have learned so much and shared so much. I'm just so uh, grateful to you for sharing your story and being so open and vulnerable and transparent because I think there's just a lot that people can learn from what you've experienced. Everybody's journey is different, but we certainly have failure in our life, whatever version that looks like for you and all experience some level of what you're going through. So I really appreciate you being so honest and, and willing to share it all with us because there's a lot, there's a lot there and I'm excited to watch what happens. Um, and you know, the more lessons that you get from this experience and kind of how things evolve for you as you move forward. Cause I agree. This is not the end for you. It's kind of just a, a self pause and, um, I'm sure you'll go back out and do other things and give back to the community when you're able and, and ready. Yeah. Yeah. That part is really comforting to know that like there's women on the other side that'll be like, Hey Casey, where have you been? And like, people want to know it definitely is encouraging that I'm not just on some Island by myself, but yeah, I mean the failure thing, it's just like, it is what you make of it. And it really, really sucked in February, but obviously time heals all. Um, but yeah, I I'm done with guilt and shame. And if anybody listening to this feels guilt and shame about any failure, perceived failure or, some failure that they might be predicting could happen in the future. I would say like guilt and shame are just this illusion meant to control you and you don't have to feel that way. And I'm done feeling that way too. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So much good stuff. I could talk to you forever, but I know we've been chatting for quite a while already. Is there anything additional that you want to leave for our guests before we depart today? You know, I would say we are all just, trying to figure out who we are. So like I try to extend grace to myself and try to extend grace to other people too, because I've yet to meet anyone who's got it all figured out. And like, sometimes we have bad days and so whatever, like we don't have to let those define us, but I definitely think that not having gone through what I went through, I'm a lot more graceful about when other people direct their bad days to me. Cause I'm like, yeah, I've been there. That sucks. I totally know what that feels like. And I, I don't, I don't like being on the receiving end of that, but I'm not going to throw stones because I know how shitty that can feel sometimes. So I would hope that your listeners would be open to the idea of just extending grace to people too, because we're all just trying to figure it out. It's really hard. And this is like big stuff. Like we weren't taught how to deal with all these emotions. So extending grace is, is always a good practice. Yeah. Totally agree. That's wonderful, wonderful advice for any life situation. Absolutely. Is there any way folks can get in touch with you if they would like to <laughs> when you I'm reemerge? So forward to this question because I love to say that I'm not on the internet. Um, honestly, no. Um, however, if someone is like really, really just like, I have to talk to her, I have to talk to her, you have my email. So mm-hmm. happy to follow up. But yeah, I'm rogue. I am in a cave. I'm happy in my cave. And I'll come out when I'm ready. Love it. Thank you so much again, Casey, for sharing your story with uh, myself and our listeners today. And I can't wait to catch up with you a little bit further down the line. <laughs> yeah, me too. In person. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
And that wraps up this week's show. Thank you to our guest for joining us, sharing your journey, your fails, and lessons along the way. If you want to follow along in between episodes, you can catch me on Twitter at Sarah Nosox. And if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It really does help the podcast. Until next time, bye.